Rory has just found top gear. There it is. There's your champion. That was the most excited I've ever been in a long, ever in my life, right there on 18. It's a captain coronation. Hello and welcome to Major Talk. Here with Pinnacle it is the second men's golfing major of the year. And you know what? Go back, have a little listen to the last one. See how we got on. Brian Nicholson, Sophie Walker with me, James Gregg here once again for, well, this fantastic USPGA championship that is set up once again very nicely. Lots of talking points and on a really good golf course as well at Oak Hill uh, Country Club, which is uh, in New York. So that's a, that's a good golf course, that. Really, really big fan of it. Anyway, here we are. We're going to get straight into it, and we're going to talk all about uh, the second major of the year. Of course, the last one won by John Rahm. We had the surprise of uh, Brooks Kepka leading for much of the Masters tournament at Augusta National uh, just last month. Uh, Sophie and Brian, um, you've both been writing articles for Pinnacle.com as well on the betting resources pages, which we'll obviously get into and talk all about. Um, I don't really know where to start. I think last time we talked all about the favourites. This time we'll go a bit something a little bit different. I've mentioned the golf course twice, I think, there in that little intro, so we might as well go for that there. Um, it's been played there before, the USPGA Championship. But un unfortunately, for, for, for those betters who are listening, we don't have the, the experience of seeing this golf course all the time, year in, year out. So it, it can change. The conditions may well change. There will have been tweaks to the layout as well. But from what we know about Oak Hill, who kind of suits it and what are we looking for around that particular golf course and the way that the USGA set up their golf courses for this particular major? We'll start with Brian. Yeah, so it's a course that I don't really know at all. So what I do, what I generally do then is I just, the first thing I would do is I look at any kind of recent renewals. So the 2013 PGA Championship, obviously, and just one quick look at that leaderboard and you can see like the standout team straight away. You've got players like David Toms, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker was up there. Um, obviously, uh, Jason Duffler won the event. Um, Jim Furyk was there. So it's kind of saying, it's kind of pointing out accuracy straight away, driving accuracy and keeping the ball in play. Although there has been tweaks to the course, as you mentioned there earlier. I think it's playing about 250 yards longer now. Um, fairways will be a little bit wider. They've trimmed back some of the trees and stuff like that. And um, But basically, that's a standard team straight away. And from other research <coughs> that I was doing, <coughs> basically, ball, it's, all, it's all about ball striking. So ball striking is like an amalgamation of uh, total driving and greens in regulation. And if you actually, if you look at, there's, there's an actual ball striking stat on the PGA Tour website, and three of the top four there are Ram, Cantlay, and um, uh, Scheffler. So, you know, you're looking at the top of the market again straight away. And I don't know, so I don't know, have you, have you seen OK or have you played it even? No, I've not. I'm, yeah, I'm a massive Donald Ross fan. Yeah. Um, in Vanessa, where the Solheim Cup was, that was that was a Donald Ross, and I, I would go along with the with that theory of PGAs do normally suit longer hitters. You know, the, the last like ten winners have all averaged like well, seven winners have all averaged over over three hundred yards. Um, but 
it's a it'll be a course which a lot of players will enjoy playing. So uh, there, there was a, a player that played in that that Solheim, um Bronte Law, and she was like, "I love this place." She doesn't hit it very far, um, so it will appeal to a lot of players. However, this par seventy, like pushing seven thousand five hundred yards, I think you still do have to look to to the long hitters. I think the PGA didn't like the fact that Jason Duffner was winning their events. And if you've noticed since then, there's been that trend of like real bombers and um, yeah, Americans as well. Yeah. <laughs> another another thing so I'd like to look at as well, but I don't know the course itself. I'd like to look at kind of quotes from players or um, just what they're saying about the course. And I think McDowell in 2013, he was posting pictures of rough you know, just huge rough and he was literally just saying stay out Rory was saying you have to drive the ball brilliantly I think you said a 67 in practice or something he was saying you just need to like drive it brilliantly so total total driving is the is accuracy and length combined so again total driving the ball striking are the two kind of premiums that I've marked for this week and I've been running the numbers on that and the models and stuff and I have a few few that came to mind through that so that's what we'll be looking at here well traditionally we obviously would be looking at favourites and then also trying to work out who are the straight hitters and driving distance and strokes gained off the tee and that kind of thing. Uh, we did this for the Masters where we basically looked at John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, Rory McIlroy, who are the top three golfers in the world, the top three golfers with our odds on pinnacle. And when you say drivers of the golf ball, you think Rahm, you think McIlroy, and to an extent you think Scheffler, although I'm not, I'm not, too sure yet. I'm still not sold completely by Scheffler on these brutal USGA layouts. Sophie raises her eyebrows at that. So mm. that... <laughs> but... no, we got the, I got some stats here. Yeah, that might okay. change your mind. <laughs> we'll we'll, we'll, th- we'll we'll try and disabuse me of that notion then, because I'm thinking Ram because he is the best driver of the golf ball when he when he's on. Or I I was watching the. Uh, Wells Fargo Championship at Quail Hollow, which is again a, a golf course that traditionally requires, you know, straightness off the tee. If you're going to do well, McElroy's won three times at Quail Hollow. However, last week in his most recent performance, not too not too great heading into that. Maybe he's going to fine tune that and sort that out before the USPGA Championship. You'd have thought. So, um, further afield, obviously, there's there's plenty of good drivers of the golf ball. But Brian, I'm looking at that top three because we wax lyrical about those three headed towards Augusta. So, what what are the stats? Yeah, so funny enough, Rory is the one that's actually not standing out in any of those stats uh, compartments in recent times. So I've got them here and. But the one, the significant stats like that I'm putting to or key metrics, I call them. He's only he's 13th in strokes gained approach, and that's kind of the only one that's standing out for him. Whereas if you look at Scheffler and all the ones I mentioned, so Scheffler is actually third in total driving. He's actually first in ball striking, which I said earlier was total driving and greens and regulation combined. He's uh, fifth in strokes gained approach. And another another stat actually I'm looking at this week is bogey avoidance. So um, he's first in bogey avoidance as well. So uh, I don't know what the weather's going to be like. The same, like you know, in the course, it's a different time of year than when it was played in 2013. And they're talking about it could be bad conditions. It's much colder, and uh, the wind could be coming in rain or whatever. So we don't know what that's going to be like yet. But bogey avoidance, I think, is going to come into play. And um, if you look at Ram, then he's tenth in total driving, fourth in ball striking. Um, 
third in strokes gained approach and second in bogey avoidance. So Sheffield and Ram are absolutely standing out ahead of the whole field here, in, including ahead of Rory as well. So they would be my the front two under market for me. Yeah. Based on that, Sophie, are you thinking kind of the same thing? I mean, is it is it all about that? Is that the the key stat that we're trying to unlock here? Well, I've gone Scheffler above Ram just because I think it's hard to go back to back. Um, and also what you were saying, Brian, about the, the shots getting tee to green. So Scott is number one and John Ram's number two. But Scheffler is nearly <laughs> half a shot better than him. So he's gaining like one and a half, two shots a tournament on John Ram from that stat. He's the best par four player on tour. And there's only two par fives this week. So there's going to be loads of par fours. I I really like Scheffler out of those three, this out of our top three. Uh, you know, last week, like last time we did it, it was like, right, each of us have one. I still do think that those top three are standout performers. And I actually think we get lost sometimes in the the middle events in between majors. I think Brooks Kepka really did show us that at the Masters that. There are some guys that raise their game when it counts. And I think sometimes we can discount Rory because of the Masters, because of what it is to him. It's the Grand Slam. Um, and you, we might be able to say the same for Jordan Spieth this time round. Um, but with with those three, they are by far the best golfers in the world. And I would be looking to put both of them as favourites. And then but the good news is you then get a little bit of value going down because all the bookmakers think the same as well. So I think we should go a little bit further down because I'm sure you'll agree, Brian, there is some, there's some standouts in the others to watch, isn't there? I call it, yeah, tier two. Tier two and tier three of the markets are usually where I focus on to try and get a bit of value, yeah. So. And actually, you mentioned speed, you mentioned speed there. Uh, I know he's, he's pulled out of the Byron Nelson with a wrist injury or something, but he was actually big time on my radar for this one. Uh, Again, the stats wouldn't show in, in terms of driving and that, but just watching him at um, the RBC Heritage, he was driving it brilliantly, and obviously that's that's like the tightest course on tour. And he was uh, he was also being very st- strategic, so he was using less the driver where needed and whatever. And I didn't really associate that with speed, but when I was watching him there, I was like, oh, he's going to be a great fit for the you know for the PGA Championship the way he's playing this course, but. Who knows with the wrist injury now? But I'm thinking, you know, what they say, we wear the injured golfer and all that. And he's going to drift because of all this. He's actually going to drift out a few points. So he might be worth getting on next week. Currently 23 on Pinnacle. So that's probably going to drift. That is drifting. That is definitely drifting. So definitely keep an eye on that. And also try and read a little bit of press to see how that wrist injury is, certainly. So Sophie mentioned, obviously, the fact that the live golfers have the ability to raise their game when they really want to. Jordan Speed is certainly one of those players. Um, obviously, um, Kepka demonstrated that from a lib perspective last time round. Looking a little further afield, a player who we've not seen raise his game at a major championship yet, but is a serial winner at the moment in the last 12 months or so, is Tony Finau. I think that, you know, we've always waxed lyrical about his driving. He's tightened up his... Uh, general game, you know, his approach play, I'd say even his short game is looking in finer touch. Is this a man that is is sneaking under the radar? Bearing in mind, he won so impressively at the Mexico Open at Vedanta. He won the Houston Open earlier on in the season as well on the PGA Tour. He won back-to-back tournaments 
right at the end of the season on the PJ Tour last year and strung off some really good, solid performances. Is this going to be his sort of week? Um, Sophie, I know that you're a big Tony Finau fan. Is this the sort of man that you'd be looking at? You know, he's going to he's gonna win a major, isn't he, Tony Finau? And it might as yes. well be this one. More than one. More <laughs> than that. one. Yeah, um... <laughs> nice guys don't always win. And that is pretty much what we said about Tony Finau for five years. Things they, win, they win in the end. They win in the end. Yes, exactly. We can certainly say that now, Brian, can't we? This is a guy that averages over that 300-yard mark. I mentioned seven of the last seven winners of this event have been Americans. He's up to 11th in the world, thanks to those like four wins that you were saying um, there, James. And for me, as a, as a tour professional, we all know we can do it, right? Oh, I can do it. But can you do it when it really counts? Can you get over that finish line? And he can now. And that is the, that for you, standing on that first team, knowing, well, do you know what, John Ram, you won the Masters uh, a couple of weeks ago. And OK, it was a smaller event on the PGA Tour, but I really did stand toe-to-toe with you and take you out. He's also got... Finau doesn't look like he wants it as much as other people. That's why Rory didn't win the Masters. It's not because of his golf ability. It's because he wants it too much. He needs it. Finau doesn't strike you as that type of character. So now he knows he can lift a trophy. I think that persona of Mr. Nice Guy can carry him through. His approach play this year has improved dramatically. And on a Donald Ross course, that is a key stat. So I have actually put him, I know he's not in a, in the, the, the pinnacle betting as a favourite in those top three, but I put him at number four because of what we've seen in this last 12 months. And we would not be saying that about Tony Finau 12 months ago. This guy has gone up a tier, like Brian was saying, and I think we really do need to look close at him for all the majors this year now. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with that. He's like 29.4. He's arguably the best value in the field. So he's like a tier two player that I was kind of talking about. And uh, it used to drive me mad when people were on Twitter talking about Fina. We can't finish, he can't close. And I'm just shouting, it's, it's just variance. It's literally just variance. Like there's three, four, five guys down the stretch all within one and two shots. And it just, it just didn't work out for him. And basically, so is there's a stack called expected wins or something and his expected wins was 4.4 or something like that and he had won one at the time and now he's won six and it's only about 18 months later or something and like Sophie said um, Sophie you mentioned the approach that's there yeah, he's second in approach um, third in strokes game tee to green obviously he won a couple of events ago um, actually I put his numbers to my two models so uh, progressive form which is which is a huge, so you're not just looking at current form when you're looking at the golfers, you're looking at guys who are trending in the right direction. So he's actually 9.53 on my model for the course, the progressive form rating, and his course fit is 9.22. So if you add the two of them together and average them, I haven't done it for the whole field or anything, but he'd be, he'd be possibly number one if you put those two together. And he's there, if you just throw in a few more stats there, he's, he's 19th in proximity, he's 10th in ball striking, 10th in bogey avoidance, and here's an interesting one, actually, is he's 18th in sand saves. And I've actually just, just you know, the visuals, I've watched Tony uh, take a lot of shots out of the bunker. And he looks to be a very good bunker player. And these greens, so the Donna Ross greens, are all elevated, protected by really deep bunkers this week. And they're kind of sloping greens from back to front. 
So I think actually a good kind of like sand saves would come into, into play this week as well. So that's just another one to tick the box for Tony. And as I said, I think he's going to be a multiple major winner. I think he's like, he's cut out for major. He's made for majors basically. So You're maybe the best right. bet for me this week. Yeah. I think, yeah. And those odds on Pinnacle, like you say, are absolutely awesome. Odd, yeah. 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 Really, really good. Brian, this- here's one for you. We're talking about people trending. I've got Xander Showfly up next. Just because <laughs> talking about Donald Ross favourites. This guy is an absolute machine around the Tour Championship, which is Eastlake. He's had five top fives in a row around that golf course. He's obviously playing pretty well at the moment. He got a second at Wells Fargo. So that that trending that you were talking about, stroke average under 70. He's got a really it's, nice... I'll show you some, something there. You can see that. Oh, you got him in. Pro- progressive form, 10.0. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, that's, he's, that's he's what I, that's, I, as soon as you said that, I'm like, uh, Xander Showplay for me is one. Um, forming majors is progressing nicely as well. He's had a, a 10 top 10s. So it basically nearly half of the majors he's played is top 10. Um, and I like I like the fit around this, this Donald Ross course for Xander. Yeah. And also, what's he had as well? Six top tens this season or something like that on the PGA Tour? Might be seven now after Quail Hollow, which is quite a lot of good golf, isn't it? Without really sort of breaking through. Didn't do a great deal wrong either down the stretch when losing to Wyndham Clark um, last week. So that's a decent outside little, well, I say outside look. He's at 22.9 on Pinnacle, which that strikes me as being pretty decent value in light of everything that you just said, Sophie. That is a really good shout, actually. Um, yeah. So he was, as I say, he's, he's one of my one of my main picks as well. I have that, um, I actually have the, the word trending under where I've written all the notes on him. And again, he's so he's 10.0, he's top of the progressive form ratings, basically. So he's the, the real guy coming into form right now. So, uh, and, he, and he, if you look at the stats as well, he's sixth in approach. 16 T green. He's 17 in putting actually this year as well, which is uh, putting was kind of a weakness for me. It was a lot of people thought it was a strength, but it actually wasn't. But now 17th in Stokes game putting. For, uh, another key stat actually is first in approach from 150 to 175, which is again like the Masters is going to be a big stat this week. Um, and he's 12th in 175 to 200 yards. Um, 28 in scrambling, 30, 32nd in stroke scan around the green, and 12th in bogey avoidance. So, again, and just in terms of guys that are in form right now, and at the odds of nearly around 23, he's, he's not a great bet for me this week as well. So, we agree on both Tony Finno and Zander Shaffley has been great bets <laughs> so far. <laughs> Another thing to to look at as well is the weather. You know, New York this time of year isn't always. Um, it's not it's not pretty usually this time of year it can the 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 storms can roll in we had this at augusta it seems like every every single major bar in the open last year that we seem to be talking about delays of some description the course changing you know i think it was the uspj last year incidentally where the golf course was quite firm until the Wednesday night and then the heavens opened and then all of a sudden the conditions completely changed favoring some of those longer hitters um is that something that we're going to be looking at again here this this time round? How, how does it? How do you kind of view Oak Hill? Um, will, will that change? Will that become even more of a bombers course if the weather starts to roll in? And obviously the delays as well. That's something to factor in, Sophie. 
Yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at the weather, like Wednesday, it's sunny, but it's a high of 12 degrees. So that's freezing. Um, and then you start getting a mixed batch of weather from Friday onwards. Um, and, and that's where you, you do start looking at people that grew up in those types of weather. So here we are going, what about Finau and uh, Xander? Well, they didn't, <laughs> you know. So um, you, that's where people that grew up in the northwest of America, people that are used to those style of greens, you do get you do get the you know that Kepka's great down in Florida. Um, you get the the Californian boys like the Max Homers, good on the West Coast. You're just used to swinging in a few more layers, knowing that in the morning that six iron has to be a five iron. Um, and there's that adaptation. I think it's it's okay weather. But like you say, stuff can roll in. And with the PGA used to be in in August, now it's in May, we will get some of that variant. So it's, it's probably worth looking at, at the weekend. That um, They're pretty good at getting the weather right within a few days, aren't they? Right now, we're not quite sure. But that's what leads me on to um, players that do well around those courses. And we're now starting to look at maybe a few more outsiders. And Keegan Bradley is a huge standout. For that reason, top 10 the US Open in Boston last year. His record at the PGA is obviously good. I mean, he's won, he's won one. But he's only missed two cuts there. Wow. No for okay. a So that's good in itself. And then Brian was talking about this efficiency stat, which it, it popped up for me with Keegan Bradley. He's number one at driving efficiency. So Don't that's... Driving yeah, Lance he's keeping that ball in play. Um so looking at, you know, is, is that, what is it? Well, at the, when I looked at it, it was 100 point, uh, 102 on Pinnacle. And that's often to play. Do, do I think he can maybe get across the line? I don't know. Like, in all fairness, like, yeah. I'm not sure if he can quite get across the line. He has done in big events. So that that is a good positive for him. He's won some big stuff, like World Golf Championships, as we're talking about PGAs. I mean, he won that as a rookie. But I just like that efficiency off the tee being from the Northwest. Bradley does elevate when he's got that home game, as people talk about. Um, so he he's my outsider for, for the PGA. You know what? I had, uh, sorry, go ahead. No, just going back to the weather as well, when he wo- he's already a winner this season on the PGA Tour, the Zozo Championship was played in teeming down rain. So that is that's just another kind of thing to factor in, and and actually there are weather golfers, aren't there? I mean, you talk about players that don't respond well in the weather. People like Jason Day with his back issues. We talked about that before the Masters, didn't we? And you know, golfers like that who literally can't swing the golf club, um, and that's no fault of their own. It's not a mentality thing. It's literally the whole body seizes up, and they can't actually do it just because they're so injured and they require so much you know getting getting used to um you know those sorts of conditions that's something to factor in what we would say is we are recording this at six days out from the uspga just to give as many of you as as a chance to listen to this podcast as possible so also just look out for the draw if there is some weather around look out for the draw because there might be some names here that we're going yeah they're going to have a great week but if they're in the wrong side of the draw that can also be a factor as well. So we'll, we'll stop being meteorologists and we'll get back to being, uh, you know, golf fans and aficionados. So Brian, uh, let's uh, let's let's carry on with that. 
I was just going to say about yeah, Keegan Bradley and the course he won on. It was Narasino, wasn't it, in, in the Zozo? And, but anyway, I had it down as um, that's a total driving course, total driving course, I call it. Hideki won there. It was probably for the last three or four, or maybe not in the last year or two, but for the previous five years, he was probably number one on total driving, going back over at the average of all those five years. And um, I kind of say it's very similar to Firestone, actually, which is exactly the same kind of course, long and straight, and then real high towering approaches is how you do get the job done at Firestone. So, again, yeah, Keegan Bradley could be a very good shout. And for outsiders, for me, I was kind of I was kind of thinking Tyrrell Hatton, maybe. Um, <laughs> I've got him. He's, nice. <laughs> he's a bit of a, he's a bit of an, an enigma as Tatton, obviously, but again, trending progressive form, raising him from the model nine point three three. He was third at the Wells Fargo there. Course fit, I have down it's eight point seven, but um, I think there's a bit of a, a mentality I put I've plugged into that model, and he kind of rates a little, he drops a little bit for that. But then again, in majors, he's he probably has a different mentality. You know what I mean? He's 65 odds wise, which is yeah, it's quite nice. Um, obviously, what we saw him do with the players, he can go on birdie streaks and make tough courses. And I just think this, regardless of what the model says, I actually think the course fits him better. Like he, he's pretty good in, in the all-round department. His irons are great. Um, he's streaky. You can get in there. Bogey avoidance. He'd be strong. So uh, I was just looking at the odds. He was kind of a late one onto my radar, but I was just saying, yeah, around 66. I definitely give Hatton a go this week as well, or next De- week. Definitely jump on that. He had a great, great performance last week at the Wells Fargo, and you know, although not a similar golf course, still tough, and you got to drive it well. And actually, didn't do a great deal wrong. It was just the putter that went a little cold, and that is an amazing set of odds. If he stays outside at sixties by the start of play next Thursday, I will be amazed. Uh, we need a few people to get on that whilst it's whilst it's still, um, you know, as long as it is. So. Um, Right. I just have I just have a, I just have a little quote here from Ernie Els actually, and it just was about the Oak Hill course itself. He has, he says it's the best, fairest, and toughest championship course that he's ever played. So, if if a guy like that is saying that, you know, it's kind of a, a grinders kind of course, and Tyrrell Hatton again fits that kind of build. So, yeah, I'll go, I'll go be definitely on with Tyrrell. There's plenty of uh, plenty of players who fit that mold, isn't there? The the grinders theme. What we don't have is that sense of uh, tradition, that sense of, oh, I, I love this tournament, you know, with the USPGA. I know that there will be players who think that. Of course, there will be. The likes of Justin Thomas, who we're going to try and come on to. Um, he's obviously won it twice. It's his only two major victories, this USPGA championship, coming at different golf courses, obviously. Um I, he's starting to show some good stuff, Justin Thomas, but for you could say two or three seasons now, he's not quite had that zip, has he? That same zip that we saw in 2015, 2016, where he was winning five, six times a season um, for a couple of years and got to the world number one spot. But he is the defending champion. He loves this tournament. And he is trending slightly in the right direction. It'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this because I'm not sure that we're getting a great deal of value with Justin Thomas um, here on Pinnacle 21.79, which is fourth favourite, essentially, as as we record this. So 
but the thing is, I say it's not good value. It's good value if he then goes and wins it, isn't it? So where do we stand on on a JT? We should all, always talk about the defending champion of any tournament. But he's he's an interesting one, isn't he, for, for this? Brian, what, how does your model uh, see uh, JT? Yeah, so it's like um, Thomas is like, uh, I had him in the Players' Championship. I actually had him favoured ahead of the three big boys, and that was to do a course fit. And he uh, really was trending. I really fancied him strongly for that. But so I actually had him, I was following him on the red button actually during that tournament, and I could see where he was letting himself down. It was the shorter approaches, his wedges. He was missing greens all over the place with his wedges. And I think he came and said that, and he'd been working on his approach play. And But that's what's kind of letting him down this season. So I took a few kind of stats. Um, well, I just actually, if we just even look at his, his recent form, 10th at the Valspar, 25th at the Heritage, 14th last week in Wells Fargo. That when he won that at Wells Fargo, there was a few renovations. It used to be kind of more draw a draw bias kind of course, but they made a few alterations to a few holes and turned them the other way. And that's when the likes of Hideki and Thomas started actually firing there. And that's when Thomas got over the line. But yeah, I don't know. I just I, ever since I was watching him at the players and what he said himself, and then seeing him at the Masters as well. I don't know. I just like you, like you said there. I'm not sure. Twenty one point seven line is great value for Thomas. And again, like Sophie was saying with Rory last time out the Masters or whatever, to be pressure on Thomas, obviously, because he's the defending championship, uh, defending champion, and he'll have a lot of interviews and stuff to do. So I might give Thomas a swear this week for me. Anyway, I don't know what Sophie thinks of that one. Yeah, I, I'm a big JT fan, and when I started writing with Pinnacle, he was always in my bet on just in fact, in fact we picked him um last year to win the PGA. But but really since he did win the PGA, yet you were saying about his approach play, but also his putting. Like I'm looking at his stats here. Over half well, about half the events he has played since winning, he has lost on the greens. So he's lost strokes gained. There's no, there's no even little gain there. That is quite a lot to put on yourself. Um, we, we've seen him change a few putters here and there. I think he's gone to eight point now, even. So it, like he is trying to find something. So he, and I like it when players acknowledge that Rory did it with his wedge play. Next thing you know, wow. So I would maybe hold off on JT from the PGA, but then look towards the next couple of um, majors because these big boys, they get it right eventually. You know, they're, they're not shy about putting a bit of graft in and I don't, and Justin Thomas is certainly one of those. Um, but for now, I think I need to see a little bit more form from him while he's analysing his game. So maybe look to more US Open for Justin Thomas, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'm always kind of wary as well if people are chopping and changing and, and with the butter and you know that there's a problem there. And they're, if they're not confident on the greens, you're at a bit of a disadvantage, especially against all these big boys and the majors, you know. So, yeah, not for me this week, but who knows? You could obviously come through and do it again. Right, we're going to nail some uh, picks, I think, now. We're going to sort of nail our colours to the mask a little bit. Uh, so I think what we're, what we're looking for is a favourite who, somebody who you might not necessarily want to back, but you do foresee eventually getting the W, a bit like we did it with the with the Masters, where we basically went round and whoever hadn't chosen somebody from the top three, you ended up with that. That was quite an, an interesting way to, to do a pick. 
I then want a kind of a, an outsider and then a total rank outsider as well. So um, I'll tell you what, whilst you guys are both thinking of that, because I know that's a bit of a thing to kind of put you on the spot with, I'll, I'll give you mine. So um, favourite, I'm going to go John Rahm. I know that Sophie um, doesn't reckon that he can kind of go back to back, but I think he's kind of had enough water under the bridge. I think that loss to Tony Finau, toe to toe down the stretch at Vedanta the other week, may have just reignited a bit of that kind of fire in the belly uh, from John Rahm. He's also the favourite with Pinnacle, so come on. I know that's not a very imaginative pick. If we're looking as kind of a little bit of an outsider, somebody that we've not talked about actually, but has also been quiet since his win at the Open back in 2021 at St. George's, Colin Morikawa, not even won a PGA Tour event since then, put himself in a couple of decent positions, always a really solid driver of the golf ball. And my real rank outsider, who is outside 250 with Pinnacle, is Davis Riley, who is um, a former well, ex sort of college teammate, sort of, but didn't actually play college golf of Justin Thomas's from Louisiana. He is a proper uh, swinger of the golf club and got his first PGA Tour victory, albeit in a team format a couple of weeks ago at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans and quite exciting as well. So Davis Riley's my outside bet. So there we go. There's my top three, quick fire, just like that. And hopefully by now, by me padding, I've given you guys enough time to uh, to to do something similar. Uh, who's going to take us away, Brian? Let's go for yeah, it. Gosh. Well, uh, we're the favourites. I can't split Scheffler and Ram, so I just you could touch them, and you know and that means just split the money up on two of them, and you're going to get the same return if either of them wins if you do it right with the calculation. And then, but there's one just kind of outside them who actually could infiltrate them in, in favouritism, really, and that's. We haven't mentioned him yet. It's Patrick Cantley, who I have always rated very highly. And I thought, like, he's going to be number one in the world at some stage, and maybe for a long time, I would say. So I had some stats on him 9.8 in the progressive form. So he's second in total driving. I think total driving is absolutely huge um, this week. And that it, that's an improvement for him in the drive. He was always kind of sneaky long, but he wasn't that accurate. But now he's going to change. Second in total driving is huge. Third in ball striking, ninth in bogey avoidance. He's um, a little bit, little bit less in approach, forty second, but his stats in other years are much higher than that. Um, he's sixteenth in strokes gained, but he doesn't really have a weakness. Like he's, um, I get, oh, he's eighteenth in driving accuracy as well. Just if you take that on its own this year, which is, it's not normal for him. So that's probably why he's up there in the total driving department. And just, um, you know, just his recent finishes, even so, third at the RBC Heritage. 21st last week, just kind of a warm-up, and 14th at the Masters again, where he could have been higher. And again, I, I think I said during the Masters with Cantley, I just think he's, he struggles with his, with the scrambling, where he doesn't usually, but he struggles to get up and down on Augusta, but that again, everybody does. So um, I just think Cantley, and, and if you look at his odds, then he's... he's I don't have his odds written down there, actually. Uh, so look, Patrick Cantley, he's near the top of the stand-ins on pinnacle.com. We'll find him and say, oh, he's at 22. So just behind Brooks Kepka. Exactly. So, yeah, he's another great bet for me. He's probably my, again, with Zana Shockley and Finnell and Cantley are probably my three best bets for the week. And um, if you want to look sort of, I, I did. I mentioned Hatton as a good outsider already, but uh, maybe if we talk on one of the live guys, so 
Taylor Gooch is a guy that doesn't get any kind of mention at all ever. <laughs> Sophie, <laughs> I Sophie's Sophie laughing. I think, I think. I think a yeah. lot of these are Sophie's picks. <laughs> <laughs> like going up in smoke here. You can't pick the same one, Sophie, by the way. No, you can't. You can just back even give more, add more fuel to the fire. Why not? Yeah, so Taylor Gucci is 66.84 on Pinnacle, um, which he's won the last two live events now. Um, one was in, I didn't, I, I wasn't watching them. I haven't seen much live action from the live events, but he was first in Adelaide, I just presume. There was probably some wind over there, and we might be expecting that this week. Um, but what just watching Gooch when he's playing on the PGA Tour is he's quite a, you know a shot shaper, so he can he can fly a high, low, left to right, right to left, which I think might come in handy this week. Um, he's actually he's great in the short game department. He's um, yeah, all his stats are kind of strong on and around the greens. He won the RSM Classic, which is a windy event. Then again, usually, and I have, I have kind of in asterisks here. He's streaky. So he's one as he's showing now on the live tour, and I just think he's going to bring that form over here this or next week. And uh, yeah, he could definitely be one to watch out for as an outsider, I think. Okay, nice, nice one. Um, Sophie, you were green all the way through that because I think Brian was kind of nicking a few of yours, which is yeah, fine. I wanted got... to jump in first, it's <laughs> <laughs> kind of what the name of the game is. Yeah, yeah, it is. So I'll try and um, I can't lay was one of mine. Definitely to have a little sneak at looking at along the same kind of category for me as Xander Shoflate. So I'm going to go Scottish Scheffler as my first pick. Um, then I'm going Xander Shoflay and Keegan Bradley was my little outsider. Another guy to look at because the odds are amazing, really. Adrian Moronk, he just won last week on the DP World Tour and he had a nice little performance at the Masters, you know, for his debut. I think he is a guy that. I expect more of him, and he's he's done well on the the big occasion, trending nicely. More for his odds, like if I'm looking at his odds, he's in and around like a Brandon Grace at the moment, um, and at Kurt Kitayama, who obviously had that that really good result, but forms dropped. Whereas Moronk's trending, um, yeah, a little bit of a free hit for him. So somebody that does, you know, has a good short game. For a big man, um, and obviously hits it a long way and keeps it. You know, he, he, he he's not losing um, in terms of, of hitting the fairway. He's he's average, which is good considering how far he hits it. So that would be my rank outsider with a, a Keegan Bradley. But in terms of live, I think you're right with with the Taylor Gooch there. It's the unknown, isn't it? Somebody from live will do well this week. We saw that at the Masters. And that that would be that would be my hot take really from that. Um, and yeah, Finau's odds are exceptional for me. Like for, for where he is in the game right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Scott Scheffler is going to win. I'm telling you now, Scott Scheffler's going to win, Sophie. Okay. I mean, his stats right going right to the top start of the podcast do point that way, don't they? So that's um, nah, you can never say that. I'm just like it, it's a, I think the Masters for me, it was one of those three, right? Because yeah. we know the course. There's only eighty odd people playing. USGA huge field. You know, this is the strongest field in major golf, um, and with the course being more uh, of an unknown, it does open it up to players. 
Certainly, certainly. And Taylor Gooch, by the way, for those interested and rubbing their hands together, 66.8, which for a guy who has won at a canter back-to-back tournaments on that live golf circuit, whatever you think of it, he has still had to beat some quality and was miles and miles ahead posting some good scores on actually a couple of really decent golf courses. So and he's, he's a good wind player too as well if the wind does get up next week. So Correct. add that into the mix as well. Something to think about. And I think at those odds, it's definitely worth a look. You look at somebody like Dustin Johnson, who would have, you know, you just said three, four years ago, would have been suiting this sort of tournament absolutely down to a tee. But we just don't know, do we? And he's at half those odds at just over 33 um, on pinnacle.com as we speak so you'd probably say out of the live golfers if you're going to go for anybody with a bit of value taylor gooch is the one so there we go um anything else to add before we before we get going anything any other little nuggets quick correction Ronk didn't do great at the masters he did well at the at the honda so um and of course which you have to hit it well off off the tee but um no i think we're good this week i'm quite looking forward to seeing um for me, a new golf course on the. I, I didn't really pay too much attention to 2013 because I've probably been playing a little bit on tour. So good to get them all back. Love major season. And um, yeah, another American probably going to win, aren't they? Mm. <laughs> Which is fine. Yeah, it's always a bit like, oh, why, why aren't we picking any Europeans? Because the Americans are a standout at this major in particular. Well, Hatton, we take Hatton. Hatton will do nicely. As well. <laughs> I think Brian knows exactly who he's uh, hoping to win here. Yeah, uh, especially at those odds on Pinnacle. I'm hoping for them all to finish in the top 10. <laughs> that was not going to happen. <laughs> Aren't we all? Aren't we all? That's just uh, the name of the game. That's what we do on Major Talk. Try and pick uh, the best value for you guys listening at home as possible. Look, we're back for the next major, which is at LA Country Club, the US Open. Not too long, actually, between these two majors, as is traditional. And there'll be plenty of talking points there. That's a new golf course, though. So we're going into the unknown a little bit um, in terms of uh, the year's third major. But do enjoy the... Uh, Second men's major of the season. Sophie Walker, former ladies European tour player, current Sky Sports analyst, and Brian Nicholson joining me here on the Major Talk podcast as ever, um, who was is an author of the Betting Blueprint book. Right, okay, uh, we'll be back next time. All the odds were correct at the time of recording. And do remember to check out uh, both Sophie and Brian's articles on the betting resources page on pinnacle.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon.